Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and I am joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, DW. Um, first off, Happy New Year to everyone. Same to you. Happy 2022. Let's hope it's better than the previous one. New Year, same Falcons. <laughs> uh, maybe slightly different. This was a different, yeah. uh, a different game. Um, so... Yeah, we're here as always to talk about the Falcons' latest game. Unfortunately, a loss on the road uh, to the Bills uh, in Week 18. Officially, 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 mathematically eliminating the Falcons from playoff contention. So that conversation is done. We can stop talking about that uh, for one more week. And I, I do want to say to their credit, they were in the conversation until the second to last week of the season. I think you have to say, all right, that's, you know, that, that is a little bit of a success for the first year. Better than last year. Yep. Um, so on that note, the Falcons did lose 29 to 15. I think there's a, a lot to talk about in this game. There, a lot of interesting stuff happened. Uh, it was not the game. I think many people were expecting. Um, and this ended up being, I think a much better game in many ways than uh, I think even I, at least I anticipated, I was expecting a blowout. Um, mm-hmm. And even though they did lose by 14, I don't think that tells the full story of what happened in this game. Um, but uh, before we get into the stats and what happened in this game, um, Evan, give us the rundown of the inactives. And also, I think pretty significantly for the Falcons, some of the guys who didn't make it because they were still on the COVID list. And the team did get hit pretty hard this week with the COVID, um, the guys going onto the COVID list. And I think that mm-hmm. had a factor in this game. Yeah, they were able to get a few people back, but so this was the Falcons inactives against the Bills. Uh, quarterback Felipe Franks, quarterback Matt Barkley, who they added um, during the week. Uh, I think he was released from the Panthers and claimed off waivers. Um, offensive lineman Josh Andrews, defensive lineman Tyler Davison, and Fabian Moreau, who um, missed much of the week, actually all of the week, and it was no real surprise. He was considered doubtful for the game and yeah, ended up being inactive uh, for the Bills. Running back Matt Breida, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, um, tight end Tommy Sweeney, offensive lineman Bobby Hart, defensive lineman Vernon Butler, and defensive lineman Boogie Basham. Ooh, that's a great name. <laughs> it is a great name. <laughs> uh, that kind of caught me off guard. I'm like, oh, damn, that's a good name. Um, looking at, as you mentioned, the Falcons, who at one point during the week had 13 players um, between their roster and practice squad on the COVID list. Um, These are the roster players. So usually guys on the 53 man roster who were out due to COVID Uh, defensive lineman, Jonathan Bowler, defensive lineman, Marlon Davidson, 
uh, safety, Jalen Hawkins, tight end, Hayden Hurst, wide receiver, Tajay Sharp, uh, linebacker, James Fodders. Um, usually like on a normal team, these guys, it wouldn't be much of a big deal, but these are key players on the Falcons. Yeah. Um, a couple of them starters, you know, especially like Tajay Sharp, who's been technically wide receiver two, uh, since Calvin Ridley left. So yeah, some big names out uh, on the COVID list. And then uh, from the practice squad, um, offensive lineman Willie Beavers and linebacker Dorian Etheridge um, were both out too yeah. due to COVID. Yeah, and, and that this has been a, a bit of a factor again this year. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, in 2020, uh, the expectation was COVID could have an impact, and it, and it certainly did. Um, and I thought the NFL did a good job of doing their best to navigate around it. And obviously – you know, this year with the vaccines, with everything that's going on, um, you know, it, it's still having an impact. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately for the Falcons, it had an impact in a week where they needed this win to stay in playoff contention. Um, and you know, it's you can't you can't do anything about it. You have to play with the guys who are out there. Um, yeah. And to be fair, you know, I, I don't know that anyone's going to say, "Oh, you know, uh, Hayden Hurst is uh, a game changer. Uh, Fabian Moreau's a game changer." Yeah. Um, but, you know, these guys get significant snaps. As you said, they're essentially, you know, Sharp is essentially a starter. Moreau is a starter. Jalen Hawkins is a starter. Hayden Hurst gets a significant number of snaps. And, you know, you have Parker Hesse who gets elevated uh, to play in his stead. And we'll talk about that mm-hmm. here in a second. And not to jump ahead, but uh, in hindsight, losing Kyle Pitts for half the quarter or half the game, uh, that's where Hayden Hurst would have stepped in. But obviously yeah. he wasn't out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely touch on that, uh, here in a second as we get into the offense. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the Falcons were, uh, 14 and a half point underdogs. So they actually covered the spread by half a point, <laughs> um, which is funny. Cause I think I saw, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't call this any better. Someone in the Fox pregame, um, predicted a 15 point win for the bills. They, they win by 14 and they end up not covering the spread. So it's like, if you're gambling on this game, this game, depending on how you put your money down, probably <laughs> either was really nail-biting or just completely flat-out screwed you over, But um, which is why you should never bet on the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, that, that you were asking for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, as, you, as you and I have talked about before, like this is the kind of game where the Falcons could randomly show up. And I think in many ways they did. Uh, yes. Yeah. As, as we talk about, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the defense in the second half and what they did in this game. Uh, but let's let's go ahead and get into the offense. So, uh, Evan, re- give us the recap of how mm-hmm. the offense uh, played out on Sunday. Yeah. Um, before I get to the stats, this was one of those games where if you come away still hating on Matt Ryan, like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, he had nothing to work with out there. The the yeah. pass blocking was some of the worst I've ever seen. Um, there was one play where uh, I believe it was Harrison Phillips for Buffalo literally just ran right by Jalen Mayfield. Like oh, this he, is like, one of those. His legs like did a split and he almost yeah. he, like he basically Mayfield fell over. It was hysterical. Yeah. It, it, honestly. And that's saying a lot with this team. One of the worst uh, offensive bl- uh, pass blocking games I've ever seen. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Kyle Pitts, you know, he had uh, four targets, two receptions for 69 yards. Like he was 
looking really good in that first quarter. I mean, yeah. first half. Oh, um, but then, unfortunately, left with a hamstring injury. But Matt Ryan, uh, 13 completions on 23 attempts, 197 yards. Um, no touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, 84.9 passer rating. Um, and then a almost rushing touchdown that got flagged oh. for taunting, which honestly, like you could say, kind of helped end the Falcons season officially. But it was just, I don't know. I, I came away thinking, man, like if this dude just had an offensive line that could keep him upright, the pocket's terrible. His pocket presence is really good uh, considering how bad that pocket yeah. was today. The pass blocking just atrocious um on the ground mike davis eight carries for 42 yards and a touchdown uh cordero patterson nine carries for 28 yards and then he also had 24 yards through the air uh as of late patterson's really not been making a difference um which i mean it doesn't really matter much now but he's had some quiet games lately i've just noticed um also claudia allison uh three carries for 19 yards and I believe he left the game with a quad injury and That's didn't correct. return. Um, and then also through the air, Russell Gage, three receptions, 50 yards. Parker Hesse, as I mentioned, since Hayden Hurst uh, is on COVID and Kyle Pitts was shut down for a half, Parker has Hesse stepped in uh, for three receptions for 31 yards. Um, and that that's basically it. Alameda Zacchaeus, two receptions, eight yards. Um, I know we'll get to the defense, but – the Falcons offense, which was already thin talent wise, got thinner with Pitts leaving yeah. and then some of the guys on COVID and inactive. Um, yeah, it, it was tough because um, there for a minute, they were in a position where they could have made this like a game. But yes, and let's t- I want to talk about that drive because that was actually um, I called it the Matt Ryan drive. He mm-hmm. he I think the drive literally started the very first play was a sack. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and then he turns around and like hits Russell Gage for like 15. And um, he was doing it, as you mentioned, essentially with no pocket. He was getting that ball out as fast as he could and, and throwing accurate passes. And then um, as for the play, um, which a lot of people are going to go back and I think rightfully complain about, um, a couple of things. Dean Blandino said that apparently quarterbacks can give themselves up by diving forward which hmm. is a recent NFL rule change, I think, from a couple of years ago. Um, however, and I've seen several people on Twitter mention this to me, and I think this is a good point. When the NFL reviewed the play and they overturned the touchdown and said that Ryan gave himself up and was short of the goal line, um, at that point, the context of all the other plays that happened after it also matter because Ryan was hit as – a quarterback who had given himself up by a defensive player when he was on the ground, which should have been a penalty. And like, I think that's what he was kind of upset about. Yeah. And, and you know, if, if, Ryan, if they're going to say Ryan gave himself up, then the context of the play changed. He wasn't because he was actually never touched by a defender. Um, so he was not touched down. It was literally the ref saying he gave himself up. Um, and if a quarterback gives himself up, if they get hit while they're on the ground after giving themselves up, that is a penalty. It should have been first and goal from the one-yard line uh, for the Falcons. Instead, Ryan got the taunting penalty and ended up being, uh, you know, I think, what, third and goal, second and goal Mm -hmm. from, you know, like the 20. And the whole thing just went completely sideways. So, first of all, um, the taunting penalties are garbage to begin with. Um, They are. 
Yeah. And because I mean, you can really tell a difference between taunting and players just getting an adrenaline rush. And it's a physical sport. Like you're going to be amped up in certain times. I just think like they don't really like a lot of things. They don't know what catches are, but they definitely don't know what taunting actually is. Yeah. It's, um, and the way they're, they're sort of randomly enforcing it because Ryan got called for that. And the guy that he was taunting Poyer, um, after the play, after the Falcons failed to score, chased down Matt Ryan and mouthed off at him and did not get called for taunting. Um, so there is a complete, and I think this is the biggest problem with a lot of these rules, and it's been one of the problems with uh, referees in general, is there is an imbalance in how the rules are applied. If hmm. you're going to call taunting on a play like that, then you have to call taunting every single time an NFL player gets up and, and says anything to anybody on the opposite team. Like, that's what happened. Matt Ryan got up, and yeah, he said he probably said you know some unkind things to Poyer. <laughs> uh, but that happens on almost every single play like that. And you know, for them to call it at that moment seemed really, really just borderline. And not to mention, I, I think the whole call to begin with was sort of, um, you know, it, it, like I said, if he gives himself up, it, where's the late hit? And this was the same drive also where Ryan, um, even though the play ended up working out in their favor because it was a defense pass interference, um, Ryan got hit in the head like literally twice by the defenders, like their hands, his helmet was almost knocked off on one of the plays and they didn't get the, uh, uh, the roughing the passer penalty. Now I've seen some people say, well, he got, you know, a very borderline one earlier and and that may be fair, but still um, it's again, it's these inconsistencies with, um, uh, with the referees, but all of that said, uh, I, I tell you what, um, I think the, the big thing from this game, Kyle Pitts, uh, with his 69 yards, he went over 1,000 yards. So he is now only the second NFL tight end uh, in history to go over 1,000 yards in his rookie season, Mike Dick, of course, being the other one. Um, and he now has the Falcons' all-time rookie record for receiving yards for any position. Um, he passed Julio Jones, and uh, what an amazing season from Pitts. Uh, obviously yeah. he, he came out, um, that 61 yard reception was all him. Like it was a short pass and he basically, he showed why he's a special talent. Like he, his speed, I, I, I don't think you can just, I think he is the fastest tight end in the NFL. And I don't know if it's even close. This guy can run <laughs> and just uh, such an amazing, he's so much fun to watch too. And I think he's really just scratching the surface um, also, as you mentioned, um, Patterson sort of becoming a non, not as productive. I don't want to say non-factor. Obviously, I think teams are selling out to stop him now, and you know far more than they did earlier in the year. Um, but yeah, twenty-eight yards, a three-point-one rushing average, and only two receptions for twenty-four yards. Um, not the season, not closing out the mm-hmm. season the way he started it. Um, and then, of course, Mike Davis, eight carries, 42 yards, a healthy 5.3 average. He looked like the better running back today, and he's looked like the better running back past several games. Yeah. So, um, yep. But, uh, man, you, you started off exactly right. This offensive line was just dreadful today, yeah. like really, really bad. You and I watched the PFF scores, man. I, I, I am cringing what that's going to look like <laughs> tomorrow for this game. It might be a repeat of like week one or two. Oh, um, 
God. in all honesty. It was literally some of the worst blocking I've ever seen. And it's just frustrating because you could already see what, like what Matt Ryan had to work with. Um, I don't think, you know, and this is obviously no offense to Russell Gage. Like I think he he's by far the best receiving option when Pitts is out of the game, but like you're working with Parker Hesse, who's undrafted free agent, Lamadi Zacchaeus, you know, I, I love the guy, but like he doesn't belong as your like top three option. Uh, Frank Darby, Christian Blake, like Matt Ryan's already having like nothing to work with. And then on top of that, he's got to worry about the pocket collapsing instantly every snap. Yeah. Um, it's just a tough way to win. And obviously <laughs> they didn't. So <laughs> no, yeah, not at all. Um, and again, the score double digit loss, but I think the Falcons, it was closer. It was closer than the score showed. Um, and obviously if that Ryan touchdown ends up counting, um, it's a single score game. And, you know, depending on what the Falcons do from that point forward, it probably could have been even closer than that. So um, I, I contend, and I'll, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Evan. I think this is one of the best performances from even, even though it was a loss, I think it was one of the best mm-hmm. performances from the team against a playoff team this year. Uh, compared to any of the others, any of the others we've seen, when you think about like Tampa Bay, Dallas, obviously yeah. those games are not good. I feel like this is the most competitive they were against any "quote unquote" good team this year. I thought it was going to be a disaster, honestly. Like I yeah. was excited to because I know going into this, there was only two games left, and I want to enjoy watching Falcons football while I can before a long <laughs> off season. Um, but I was like, oh, it's going to snow. Well, I mean, if I'm gonna watch the Falcons get the break speed off them at least it'll look pretty um because we don't get to see many falcons you know snowy games um but then they surprised me you know right out of the gate um defense was playing tough uh i know we'll talk about them in a minute but they they had a really good day even though you know the final score is 29 points but they kept this falcons team in it where if we had a offense that wasn't struggling mainly because of the pass blocking falcons could have won this game yeah yeah, uh, and it would have been a massive upset. Um, yeah. So, all right. Yeah, on that note, uh, I, I want to talk about the defense because I, I think it's even more impressive when you start to put some context around this. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Evan Birchfield. We're recapping the Falcons' loss in Week 18 in Buffalo uh, to the Buffalo Bills, 29 to 15. Falcons dropped to seven to nine, officially out of the playoff race at this point. They've got one game left next week at home, hosting the New Orleans Saints. We'll see how that one goes. And that's this- basically a playoff game for us. Yeah, so I, I'll be honest. You know, a lot of people are going to be talking about draft position. I'm going to be talking about beating the Saints twice in one year under a new yeah. head coach. Um, that is what I'm focused on. Uh, I don't care about the draft position. If they drop two or three spots but beat the Saints, it will be worth it um, mm-hmm. because the Saints are 
are garbage, hot garbage. So, all right, so <laughs> <laughs> back to this game. We talked about the offense, and and uh, you know, as you mentioned, I think it's uh, the the most poignant fact of all this. Offense was hamstrung. Uh, too many guys out. Kyle Pitts obviously went out in the late second quarter, and that had an impact on their ability to move the ball. Um, even though I, I felt like they still did that, um, you know, later in the game. But really, I feel like this game was about the defense. And I know some of you guys are looking at you like they gave up 29 points. Yes, I know they did. <laughs> um, but why don't you give us the rundown of what they did statistically, Evan? Because I, I feel like, you know, if you look at the numbers for the Bills, you start to look at this in a little bit of a different context and you start asking some you know, questions about, man, how did they score 29 points? <laughs> yeah. Um... You know, Josh Allen going into this, this was a very favorable matchup. But one thing Josh Allen struggled with this year is turnovers. And that was no different against, you know, this Falcons defense. He had 11 uh, completions from 26 throws, uh, 120 yards, zero touchdowns through the air, but three interceptions um, to Harmon, to Foy Lucan, and to AJ Terrell, um, which, you know, they were all earned. Uh, the Harmon one, I believe, was in the red zone, too. Um, so that was a big turnover for the Falcons, uh, even though it, I, I don't think it amounted to anything. Um, but on the ground, that's where the Bills pretty much won this game. Uh, Devin Singletary, 23 carries, 110 yards. Uh, that's an average of 4.8 yards per carry. And that's two touchdowns he had on the ground. Additionally, Josh Allen, who uh, basically was a a running back as he ran the ball more than he threw the ball today. Insane. Uh, Yeah. 15 rushes, 81 yards, two touchdowns. Um, He looked like a young Ben Roethlisberger, but way more mobile. Um, He was just, he just looked big out there. Like, and he wasn't afraid of contact. Um, He was lowering his shoulder, you know, like I, I came away really impressed with Josh Allen. To be honest, that was my big takeaway from this game. Yeah, he had three interceptions. Uh, I don't know how much the snow plays into that and, you know, going forward if he cleans that up. But what he was able to do running the ball when it was clear he was going to be running the ball um, impressed me. Um, Through the air, Stephon Diggs, five receptions, 52 yards. Uh, Gabriel Davis, three receptions, 40 yards. Cole Beasley, two receptions, 22 yards. And Isaiah McKenzie, one reception for six yards. So, yeah, pretty much everything the Bills did um, that was successful was on the ground, and it worked. They killed the clock there late, and that's pretty much what ended the Falcons. But I know you'll get to the defense side of things, but I came away impressed with the Falcons' defense. Yeah, um, look, they they were down their cornerback uh, number two, and I know a lot of fans are going to be like, oh, you know, if Moreau is out, the team's better. Um, no, Moreau is a – he's not a great cornerback, too. He's competent. And he has played better in recent weeks. Um, I think he started off the season really rough, and that got Falcons fans like turned on him. But Moreau has been a decent corner. Um, Jalen Hawkins being out, you know, Hawkins is someone that uh, you know both guys were on the COVID list, incidentally, as we mentioned earlier. Jalen Hawkins, you know, a, a starting safety with Eric Harris out. So you've got Eric Harris, Fabian Moreau, Jalen Hawkins all out of the game. So you've got Sean Williams in there at safety. Uh, Richie Grant obviously still holding down that that slot position, and, and I think playing well as of late. And he he missed a lot of time because of he was on the COVID list. Like yeah. I'm not even sure he practiced except for maybe one game. Yeah, 
He was he was a late activation from the COVID list. Um, and you look at this secondary. Josh Allen completed 42% of his passes. Um, those three interceptions, now you could argue they were bad decisions by Allen, and I think all three were. Um, but the Falcons made plays. And uh, the, the big thing to me, Stephon Diggs, um, I think for the first time this year, we saw where A.J. Terrell was actually most of the game sticking with Diggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not something that Dean Pease typically does. He typically keeps his corners aligned to one side of the field. But we saw A.J. following Diggs around in this game. What happened? Diggs was held to five catches on nine targets for just 52 yards uh, and a 10.4 average. Um, and I know Terrell got beat on a few plays, and that's going to happen when you play a really good wide receiver because Diggs has been like a really good wide receiver this year. Just to be clear, he and Allen have had a phenomenal season together, and A.J. Terrell basically made him a non-factor for most of this game. Um, so, again, you know, going back, like A.J. Terrell is – God, if this guy does not get all pro consideration, I am going to riot. Uh, he is our best defender, and it's not even close. Um, and as for the Falcons, man, the interceptions, Foya Luquin had one, AJ Terrell had one, uh, Deron Harmon. And uh, I think that Foyer tipped the pass that Deron Harmon, it was either Foyer, no, actually, maybe Michael Walker that tipped. Uh, the yeah, pass. it was Michael Walker. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the Foy one. Yeah. Yep. And uh, just, Three interceptions in this game that were, were obviously just a, a big, big deal. Um, and overall, like when you are down that many players, for them to have played this well, that Josh Allen is completing less than 50% of his passes, had a 4.6 yard per attempt average, three interceptions, his passer rating was 17.0 at the end of this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. Now, as you said, and this is you know, this is ultimately what got them over the hump. They had 233 yards rushing, um, 110 from Devin Singletary, 4.8 yards per carry uh, on 23 attempts. And as you mentioned, Josh Allen, 81 yards rushing, 5.4 yards per attempt. Both of those guys had two touchdowns each. That obviously was the difference in this game. Um, But if you're looking at this Falcons secondary, like Allen is a good quarterback. He can throw the ball. Um, and obviously, with the snow, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult. But at the same time, man, they held them under 50%. That's a bit ridiculous. Um, I think they played really well uh, in total. And, and I, I do not put any blame on the defense for this game. Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't put any blame on anybody because, as you talked about in the first half for that, okay, if, if I'm going to put any blame anywhere, it's the offensive line. Uh, but, like, Matt Ryan, I thought. <laughs> more played- so the left part. Except for Jake yeah. Matthews. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, let's have a. We, we have to have a conversation about um, our left guard uh, yeah. situation in the off season because I appreciate that they're trying to give the rook um, the opportunity to grow, but Jalen Mayfield is a disaster on the interior of the offensive yeah. line, and it is not even close. Yeah, he's. Uh, I believe, I don't know what it is right now because PFF and stuff haven't updated their stats, but going into this game, um, uh, Chris Lindstrom, you know, the Falcons right guard, one of the best guards overall in the NFL. Like top um, five. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he was one of two uh, overall offensive guards to not allow a sack this season in playing 15 games. 
And the one who's allowed the most is literally Jalen Mayfield. Mayfield. So the Falcons have one of the best, uh, or, you know, a top blocker on the right side in terms of pass protection, and then literally the worst on the opposite side. So this was one of those games where I would have loved to see them bring in Josh Andrews because as much as a lot of people don't want to see them go to the playoffs, which is absolutely not happening now, they had a chance and the team wanted to make the playoffs. Like they don't care about (laughs) your feelings or your draft takes. They wanted to make the playoffs. And this was one of those games where like, let's bring in somebody who can at least pass protect slightly better. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we're going to have a long conversation during the off season about what they do with Jalen Mayfield, but he was literally like awful, just straight awful this game. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's been the case for many games this year. Yeah. Um, and uh, would Andrews be a significant upgrade? No, probably not. But and maybe slight, even if he was just maybe slightly slight. better. Right. Um, and I, I, I think is, as we get into the offseason talk, we will absolutely be talking about the offensive line in that position. Um, but Mayfield was, I think, the biggest problem with the offensive line today by a long shot. You know, some people point out Caleb McGarry, and he, he did have some rough snaps. But realistically, for a quarterback like Matt Ryan, he has to be able – it's going to make McGarry look bad when Ryan cannot step into a pocket. And in mm-hmm. order for him to step into a pocket, he needs those three guys in the interior – to do their job well. And if you've got Mayfield whiffing as much as he does, um, it's going to make the tackles look worse because Ryan can't step up and it keeps him back there susceptible to those pass rushers coming off the edge, uh, which is what we saw today. The frustrating thing for me was going in, the bills did not have a good pass rush. Um, This is a team they have quote unquote, the names, but as far as actually delivering uh, this year, they're, they were like in the bottom third of the league in sacks uh, and pressure percentage. What did they do today? They had five sacks for 28 yards. Um, so, of, of course, they did against the Falcons. Um, so, yeah, offensive line, if you're looking for a culprit in this game, in my mind, the defense is off the hook given all the injuries and, and the guys who are out. Um, the offensive skill positions are off the hook because you lost Kyle Pitts in the late second quarter. You're already missing you know, Tajay Sharp. You're down to you know, essentially backups everywhere. Um, Hayden Hurst was out, uh, you know, Matt Ryan, I thought did what he could with what he had, but the offensive line is to me, the biggest culprit and even special teams, I think did their job, uh, in this game. Um, especially with that initial punt where, um, Avery Williams, uh, put his head into, uh, the punter and forced that fumble that, you know, ended up resulting in the, the first two points of the game for the Falcons. So, um, all in all, I, I, I don't believe in, um, you know, moral wins. Uh, the but the Falcons played better, and I think if you're looking for a positive takeaway from a game like this, outside of draft position, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for a positive takeaway, I, I think they played their asses off. Um, both sides of the ball is it, with with the exception of one or two guys. Um, I thought they played their asses off. In this game, and I was, I actually came away feeling like this is going to be something they're going to, you know, springboard into, you know, 2022 and and try to establish the new identity of the Falcons going forward. Uh, They have a lot of issues to fix, to be clear. Um, But going on the road in Buffalo, 
with you know the weather being like it was against the playoff team. Buffalo's ten and six; they are heading to the playoffs. Um, I I came away thinking, you know what, this Falcons team may not be as far away as we think if they can keep performances like this up and just get guys healthy and fix some you know persistent issues that are sort of plaguing them from this year. Mm-hmm. Um, also, anyway, yeah, the, go ahead. The other thing I would take away from you know a game like this where they're eliminated from the playoffs and you kind of just shift your focus to the off season is they have some cornerstone pieces there to build Mm -hmm. off of. Um, And, you know, that's a season long thing, not just this past game, but like AJ Terrell, we all know how great he's been. Chris Lindstrom, the stats back it up. There's not a lot of flashy stats for offensive linemen aside from like sacks allowed. But if you watch it or watch Lindstrom, um, just watch any tape on him. Like he's passing the eye test too. Um, but that's yeah. somebody going yeah. forward. That's like a staple offensive lineman they can build off of um, because the offensive line they have this year, hopefully isn't the exact same as going into next season, uh, but we'll see. Um, and then just consider what Matt Ryan's been working with Kyle Pitts. He's going to be a great player. Like, Oh man, you've seen God. that firsthand. Um, he was going to have a great game. He just got injured. Um, yeah. because he was out there just dominating, literally stiff armed a dude. Um, on that, <laughs> si- I think it was si- what 61 yards, 61 yards. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's some pieces to grow off of. Um, special teams, you know, they got a reliable kicker finally. Um, after like that one to two season where it was just kind of up in the air. Um, punting situation looks good with Morstead. Hopefully, he sticks around. I know he's a little older and stuff, but. I thought the punting game has really taken off with him uh, in the lineup. Um, you know, and there's some other guys, but they definitely need to make some moves because the depth, you know, we've seen at times where the depth really shows that like there's none and we've got some holes. Um, but yeah, you know, we got one more game and, but it, they are officially out of the playoffs. So there'll be no more <laughs> playoff talk here. <laughs> oh man. And I just want to reiterate, cause we've gotten some crap from people who are like, I wish we you would stop talking talk, about, play. but we <laughs> literally had to, the, the yes, pass was exactly. there. The pass yeah. was there. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't look at it before because we're doing this right after the game. Um, they needed Philadelphia to lose their last two games, which, which they didn't were happen. losing. Right. And they were losing to Washington at one point and their next game is against Dallas. So like, it wasn't crazy. Like they literally had, you know, a path. They closed quickly once those two games kind of got out of hand. And then I think technically they still had a path if the 49ers lost out who are currently, I believe tied with Houston uh, scoreless. Yep. So we had to talk about it um, because it was kind of realistic, even if it wasn't like, you know, a real chance of it happening. Like there, there, if there's a path, we have to talk about it. But yeah, yeah there's officially no path now. It's no it's, path. It no is path. done. <laughs> We're on no to path. the draft. <laughs> Unless an NFL team, you know, a couple of NFL teams decide they don't want to go to the playoffs, then maybe there's a path, but there's no right. Path. Exactly. Some, some team says, <laughs> oh, we forfeit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it, and I'll tell you this first year for head coach, massive cap issues, um, essentially scraping by with minimum contracts for a bunch of yeah. players, your star um, receiver going, you know, uh, when, when was that week eight? God, it, no, like week five, week five. Okay. Yeah. And um, no, I think he was, he came back a few weeks after that and then exited. Right. Again. Okay. Um, 
so yeah, Ridley, I think played just four games this year. Um, so you, you're missing him for you know, the majority of the season, overwhelming majority of the season. Um, and you're, you finish, you know, with seven or eight wins. Uh, we still have one more game left. And I love the fact that every game this year has been relevant. And the last game will be relevant because it's against the saints. And yeah. um, if Arthur Smith can finish his first year as a head coach with sweeping the saints, that will be, in my mind, a great way for him to close out the season. It, it was a rough season. Look, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm not going to tell you guys that some of these losses weren't ugly and some of the wins were ugly along, you know, along those same lines. But I think if you look at the talent, you look at um, what they've had to overcome during the season. I, I, I can't emphasize enough how much losing Calvin Ridley really impacted this offense. Um, you look at all of that in total, and I think there's, there's again, still reason in my mind to be optimistic about what they could do next year. They may not, they're not going to be a Super Bowl contender next year. I don't think anyone's contending that, but I think they could be an improved team. And I think we can begin to see a little bit more of Arthur Smith's vision for this team come to, come to fruition. Um, and we've seen glimpses of it. And when we've seen that, it's been really encouraging. It's just, there's only so much that you can overcome with scheme. Like you cannot scheme around your offensive line whiffing completely on blocks and letting guys come completely uh, untouched into the backfield. You, there's no scheme that fixes that. You know, you, you still have to have talent. And um, the Falcons definitely have some talent issues I need to fix this year. So we'll see how this plays out. We'll see how free agency goes and the draft and all that. But we're not there yet. We've got one game left, Evan. Um, obviously, we've missed some podcasts this past couple of weeks for the holidays, for Christmas mm-hmm. and New Year's. Um, we will be back. My goal is to be back for our normal stuff. Uh, this week, we will do a preview of the Saints because we want to trash them as much as possible this week. Uh, we will be back for the postgame podcast. But on that note, Evan, why don't you remind our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Birchfield, writing at thefalcolic.com. Um, yeah, just go to falcolic.com for anything Falcons related. I know there'll be an uptick in draft-related com- uh, content with the team officially, officially out of the playoffs. Um, one thing I don't, I, I haven't really been paying attention, obviously, to the Saints playoff path, but last I saw, they were still technically alive. So there's a slight chance, it could, you know, that game next week could also help eliminate the Saints. They may need help from other teams, like the Falcons kind of did today. Um, so that might add a little more to that game next week if they yeah. can uh, be helpful in taking the Saints out of the playoff talk. Oh, God, that would be so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that alone is why I'm going to be rooting um, for, for this game. So, all right. Uh, on that note, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for our podcast at Pod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. Talk with you next time.